This is Brian. And Isaac. Welcome to a special Father and Son edition podcast of Curiosity Continuum. Curiosity Continuum is an industry-innovating, non-traditional company passionate about growing wisdom to the next generation. We are the essential bridge between the analog and digital worlds by building collaborative communities that unleash the power of adaptive expertise and innovation needed to thrive in the 21st century. We combine and mix essential elements needed to empower people to succeed in new ways, not possible outside of a creative, thoughtful, diverse community of fellow curious people. It's good. It's first time. Follow us on your favorite podcast app to receive notifications of new content. If you like what you hear and want to dive deeper, visit us at curiositycontinuum.com. Thanks for tuning in. Let's start the conversation. So Josh is moving back into his house at the time of this recording. For those of you who have been following the podcast for a while, Josh was hit by Hurricane Ian, and so now he's finally, finally able to get back in. It's been a really long process, and so I thought I'd take this opportunity, since uh, I have my son sitting next to me on a rare uh, rare time we're recording, <laughs> I'm going to lob questions at him. Now, for those of you who have uh, tuned in, my son's name is Isaac. Uh, at the time of this recording, he's about to finish up his high school career, and uh, he's been the subject of many of my commentary over the course of this podcast. So. I, thought it might be useful to have him actually speak to say, is dad full of it? <laughs> is he full of good things? Is he full of bad things? Depends on the day. He speaks truth, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So you are the proof positive of me talking about stuff and trying to parent you in this way. Yeah, pretty much. So let's talk about the things that we talk about. Let's talk about contextual awareness. So three themes mm. to remind you. Contextual awareness, adaptive expertise, mm-hmm. and collaborative community. Yeah. All right. From your frame, tell us about who's ever listening here. What contextual awareness is lacking from your friends or your peer group? And maybe share a funny story that people would laugh at. So contextual awareness is something that really isn't a huge part of any young adult's life in this time and age. Back in like the eighties, nineties, like you had, uh, parents that were from the military and there was like a large population of that. And they were really like driving their kids to do something. And like, you really just had to make it work because of the way that the economy was and like how stuff was at that day and age. Nowadays, everything's online and anyone can just go on their phone and Google whatever. And so there's not really any drive to do anything. Like in most of my classes, I might be doing some work, Someone might be sleeping. There might be five people sleeping behind me and might have taken a photo of it. It was pretty funny. But it happens more than not, and there's really no drive to succeed anymore. I really think it's just going through the motions for most people instead of actually doing something uh, innovative. So I will confess to you that my generation also had the people that slept in the classroom (laughs) who didn't have much of life going on or vision for it. But tell me from your frame when you see this, how do you think people are going to make it? I really think a lot of people won't. I think a lot of people think that it's just all going to work out, especially living where we live. It's a solidly affluent county. And so a lot of people's parents are just like supporting their children through everything. And they're kind of like being used as a crutch. So I really think a lot of the people 
in my classes. Like I'm, I'm sure some of them will go on to succeed, like the ones that actually care about life in general. But a lot of them, I think, just expect their like nine to five target job to kind of support them forever. Do you think that uh, there's a longer ramp time that they're affording themselves because they have means and resources? Yeah, I think that uh, they're just not allowing themselves that much time to even think about it. They're allowing themselves too much time before they even launch out into the real world. So what is it that you want to do in terms of getting ready to launch? If you're saying that you know they're not as paying much attention, how are you paying attention to it now, being my son? There is no wrong answer here, but answer right. <laughs> I think really paying attention to current events, a lot of people in this generation think that everyone's right. Like no matter what, everyone is right in their own state. And that's not the truth because there's right and wrong. And everyone really wants to lean into the fact that, oh, well, this should work because I want it to, but you're not God. And that's the main issue with everybody now is they think that they're God and that they control everything. So tell me about how you've seen this kind of work out in terms of uh, high school dynamics. It's been a while since I've been in high school, except to go to your high school to find out like, here's the parent teacher night or whatever. Tell us how high school dynamics work for you now. High school dynamics now, uh, I'm in my senior year of high school, so most everything is self-led at this point. Um, this year, all my classes, like all the homework is non-existent because it's all classwork. And if like the only reason we would have homework is if we don't do the classwork and don't apply ourselves in the class. So really, there shouldn't be a reason why we should be lagging behind or anything. We're given all the resources and we're giving even more resources with like, we have Google. Like you guys obviously didn't have Google back in high school and now we can just search something up and get like 5 million different results. And then sometimes the homework is just posted on there. But like sometimes we have open notes, like all my tests this year have pretty much been open note and it's been really easy if you pay attention enough <laughs> and you apply yourself. But a lot of people don't even do that. Have you found yourself tempted not to prepare when you might be able to find resources to help you get through schoolwork quicker because you have Google? They, obviously there have been times in the past that I've definitely been tempted and have like broken into. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. But uh senior year, I really decided uh, this year was the year to apply myself, raise my GPA one last time before I exit the high school world of learning and uh, apply myself and see if I could actually do it by myself. Because like Google, obviously it's helpful, but I wasn't really learning anything. It's really more just like passing information from one side to the other side and not really anything else. Tell me what pandemic did to your desire to go to school after everybody's at home sitting on Zoom for eight hours a day. Pandemic set everybody behind, like grade levels behind almost in a sense, because we were in pandemic for around, it was about like three years. It's a pretty long time when you think about it. And that sucks. But even Harvard, I had to write this paper recently. And it was like Harvard, like they're 35% of their like to it of like their um learning is like missing from all their students and so their students are have to do makeup classes and they're really really behind on stuff and that's harvard and like they went online and online classes really just made people think that oh school is whatever and there's no deadlines or anything because it was harder to enforce when it's just like thousands of kids learning online at the same time wi-fi issues all that and you can't really teach if kids are like at their house i mean obviously if you're homeschooled sometimes that works but for the most part it just doesn't work like that. You just get too lazy and you just sleep, watch Netflix all day. Tell me from your frame, 
when you saw classmates before pandemic and then after. Tell us, did the how social dynamics changed if they did at all? Um, it's kind of leveled out more, but really a lot of people keep more to themselves nowadays. Um, people really don't dress like wear like normal clothes nowadays. Usually, like I walk into school and it's like all sweatpants and pajama pants actually i mean like i'm not hating that seems comfortable but it really like does kind of show where people's priorities went post-pandemic well that's how josh the dresses normally so you're in the good josh the fashion sense of the situation well josh might be the fashion demon in this sense he's uh he's an innovator he's practically balenciaga <laughs> josh you owe isaac money for that pr plug. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me this, when you are now thinking about your career, right, and maybe you're choosing an alternate path here, how are you planning on building your learning? Building my learning. Well, you know that I have not really any desire to go to college because I'd much rather invest my time somewhere else and kind of let my work experience and grow speak for itself in that sense. Uh, I will take your advice to always be an avid learner. So there's not anything I won't ever try to learn if I can to like better myself. It might be trade school. It might be like just sitting by someone and listening and just watching how they do stuff and their process and that and trying to copy it and make it better by myself. But it's always important to learn, but it doesn't have to be like traditional school learning because now because of pandemic, we realize how easy it is to fall behind and how easy it is also to like succeed and learn. It's like, a, like my math class this year is online and uh, I'm moving through through that pretty fast compared to most math years where I failed. And really just depends if you're a self-taught person or not. But I think learning is an important thing, but it doesn't have to be like the traditional sense anymore. Tell everybody how you learned about the secondary shoe market. Now, for those of you listening and don't know, there's a whole world out there of sneaker culture and sneaker arbitrage and many things because shoes are hot. I had no idea how hot they were until uh, Isaac had uh, an older gentleman who was a leader in his life gave him his first pair of cool shoes. Do you want to tell how you got in the sneaker game? Yeah. So I didn't, I wasn't super aware of the whole sneaker game for a long time, but then, uh, around freshman year in high school, uh, my youth leader, like let everyone in the group borrow a pair of his shoes. We were like, Oh dang, these are super cool. And so I got to borrow this pair of Nikes, which I wore for like a week and I gave them back. And a year later, I got them. But in that time, he talked to me about shoes and taught me about like the shoe market and all that. And I became super invested in it. Like I was checking like four different apps a day, trying to figure out what my shoes are worth, what this shoe is worth, if I can buy shoes. And I realized the unfortunate side of raffling, raffling for shoes. It really sucks. Fortunately, like to my greatest surprise, I have just recently been able to snag a pair of shoes for retail, which is the third time this has happened in five years and that's it because otherwise i've just been paying way too much money uh resale <laughs> paying resale prices and it's really like stocks you either catch it at a good time or you catch it at a really terrible time and you regret your decision for a few months but uh yeah shoes is it's interesting it's definitely interesting tell everybody how you study the market of shoes you can study the market of shoes by seeing like how much you pay for it initially what it's selling for now, trends, are any famous people wearing it? Like there's this uh, unofficial sneaker thing called the Travis Scott effect. Travis Scott's an American rapper. And whenever he wears a shoe, the shoe generally tends to spike up in price by quite a lot. And this is seen throughout sneaker history. Uh, all of his shoes um, 
have done really well on the market if you can get it for retail like a thousand times more than what they were originally um so that's always kind of a cool thing to watch how like fashion adapts it and like obviously there's like really dumb shoes like mischief's big red boots which were practically astro boy boots people still loved them social media loved them for a while they're selling for like thousands of dollars and then when everyone took their instagram photos they dropped to below retail so it's really just hype and how much is actually going to last and how much is like just here for a phase tell us about your best arbitrage deal or your favorite arbitrage deal that you did well, this might be my personal favorite. Obviously, I paid resale for way too many shoes and I should have in the past. <laughs> but uh, eventually, I came, my dad was like, yo, you need a car, man, because that's kind of an important thing in life. And my mom was like, you're going to be walking everywhere in your shoes if you don't buy a car. <laughs> so, so what I did is I decided to sell around 75% of my collection and I ended up financing a Toyota Corolla, which gets me from place to place. So it doesn't really matter what it looks like. <laughs> That's probably one of my favorite sneaker arbitrage deals. Um, my least favorite would be when I uh, impulse bought out of fear. And I ended up spending $300 more than what it was actually worth because it dropped the next day, $300. And that was really sad. I'm glad you appreciate the car. And look, folks, uh, he bought my old car and it ain't nothing to look at. But it does run. It gets you from point A to point B. For the time being. <laughs> He's got ambition. You got to do a few more deals before you level up the car. Yeah. Tell us, uh, tell everybody listening, um, for a lot of people, they might be scared to do a deal, right? Or negotiate a deal. Tell me how you approach building that relationship or, or kind of closing that, closing that deal. Some of the shoe deals I wouldn't have been able to even make if I didn't like just talk to people. And that's something that's really lost in this generation, especially post-pandemic, is people don't talk to people. People just assume everything works because of their parents or because of money. But there's ways around it. You just really have to talk to people. So every for like the last two years, for the most part, like every weekend, I was going up with my friend or I was going by myself. And I would go to all the sneaker shops and just have conversations with the people that work there. And the people that I know, and then like the skate shop that I go to to get my skateboard stuff, I just talked to them about shoes. And I found out that the pair of shoes that I got from my mentor, the guy in the skate shop helped design the shoes. And that was a really cool conversation. I wouldn't have known that unless um, I'd had that like two hour long conversation and just stopped in like every week. And he's holding a pair of shoes for me now because really it's just like people like to be talked to. But not everyone likes to reach out and do it. And if you don't have that ambition to do that, then you're never going to know what you could have had happen to you. Folks, this is my son, Isaac. I'm very proud of him. Let's put a comma here in the conversation. Would you like to be a guest again sometime, maybe? Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, folks. So until next time, this is Brian. And Isaac. For Curiosity Continuum. Thank mm-hmm. you.